you know, sorry. Um, but with the four services, someone else is in here and, and we got to clean up and the last class listened so slowly that, that we barely got done on time for our small groups. So, so we want to do that. <clears throat> there are handouts in the back there if you want that. And let's pray. And, and then, you know, as we pray, I think we need to just keep in mind what's going on in the country. Not only do we have COVID, but we've got the racial tension from, from what happened, you know, with the, the guy that was killed. And, and that's horrible. We need to pray against racism. We need to pray against brutality. We need to pray against hate. We need to pray against protests turning into riots. And, you know, we, we just need to pray for peace. And then as for us, we know that with the love of Christ, the, the, the church is the answer. Uh, in Christ, there is no Jew or Greek, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. In Christ is all and in all. And, um, but yeah, let's just pray. So let's pray for our time, but let's also just pray against hate, racism, craziness violence, wickedness, all that. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we are burdened. We're a country that in so many ways seems like a house divided, and there's so much, you know, there's just a sentiment. There's just anger that, that's brewing. There's hurts that are generational, and there's cultural problems and, and racial problems, and there's wickedness that happens, and there's people, you know, being killed lord there's just so much that's wrong but but then again that's what the bible says is that you know it's a dark and dying world it's a fallen race and a fallen world and left to itself outside of the truth of your word things do fall into perilous times lord uh, when people fail to just trust you according to your word everything just falls apart and it's misery and so god help us as the church to shine forth the light of jesus christ to be quick with the gospel to be quick to love to be slow to speak and quick to hear we do pray against hate we pray against violence we pray against murdering and, and racism and we we just ask lord that god that that truth and order you know could prevail um lord we pray for hope for, for love and peace, and, and not just personally, but Lord, as within our sphere of influence, Lord, that we'd be able to, to kind of be a balm, to be a salve that, that would soothe some of the hurts around us, help us to be encouraging and, and, and love. Lord, for our time this morning, would you please just show us what we need to see out of your word? We love you, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we got a few people here. We got people live. We got people who, who are going to be watching later. And to everyone, I would just say welcome. I have a question for you as we get started. Okay, here, here's a quiz question. Okay, what is the fastest growing age group in the world? What do you think? Over 60, 40 to 60, 20 to 40, or under 20? Fastest growing age group in the world. We got one C. A, okay, let's go on. The correct answer is A, Christine is without a doubt the teacher's pet, okay? Just sorry, it's just the way it works. Okay, fastest growing age group in the world, 60 plus. Did you know that? Okay, here's another question for you. Who's gonna reach them? 
who's going to reach the fastest growing age group on the planet? Do you think most believers are intentionally trying to reach this age demographic? Think the churches are going after the 60 plus? Trying to win them to Christ, trying to disciple them, trying to train them as leaders to send them to be part of a church plant? You think a lot of people are, are deliberate in that mission? Think a lot of people are equipped to do that? They've shod their feet with the preparation of gospel. Do you think most people who are actively going out are actually equipped to relate to someone in that demographic in a way that they can come alongside them and speak truth into their life in a way that they can receive it? Mm. Just throwing that out there. So who is going to reach them? This isn't a blank that I have an answer for. Go back. Who's going to reach them? What would you put in the blank? Okay. Those who are in that age group themselves will be strategically better. You know, okay. Those who I would put prepared. Those who are deliberate. Those who are trying. You got to at least try to go after somebody. I don't know. The oldest, the fastest growing demographic in the world is 60 plus. I think. We ought to go after some of them, what I think. Anyway, just throwing that out there. Okay. Speaking of an older age group, my dad came up and, and we had a conversation and, and he described middle age. Okay. And I'll, I'll pretend like I'm middle age, like I'm going to live to be 102. So I'm right in the middle there. Okay. He described it like this. You're old enough to look back at your life. And, and to be able to remember where you're coming from and how you got to where you are and how fast time flies. And then you're also in a place though where you can look forward and you can look where you're trying to get to. Okay, so, so I like to look at it this way. This is how many years I have in my past and how fast time flies. Here's how many hours I spent doing what I really enjoyed and doing what I really ought to have done. Now I look forward and look at how much time do I have left? Remembering how fast time flies and how, man, there's a tendency there to spend your time not doing what you really want to do and not doing what you really ought to do. Just trying to, I don't know what, be safe, be comfortable. Do, do what you, I mean, I don't know, looking back helps us look forward. And this is what we see. We see some of this in our passage this morning. And really, as, as we examine the, the references, we'll, we'll see Paul looks back. Remember, remember our previous message where Paul's like, I want to put you in remembrance. Paul said, hey, when I remember the unfeigned faith, which was in Grandma Lois, oh, which was in your mom Eunice, and which I see also, when I remember that, Paul also is going to be describing some of his ministry experience we're going to see. And then you know what he's telling Timothy to do? He's telling Timothy, hey, get ready. Here's what's coming. Look forward. So we see both Paul looking back. We see Timothy being reminded of that. So he's prepared for this. And I just wanted to throw that out there a little bit as we get started. Because most of us here are in that age group where we can look back and have a perspective. You know how life works. 
not trying to figure out like who am I? Like you kind of you know, you made it through adolescence. You 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 you've worked long enough. You know what life is like. You can look back, and I'm just going to say, in part of our small groups, what we ought to do is do some looking forward, also. But we'll get to that. Here's our main verse: Second Timothy chapter two, verse one. Second Timothy chapter two, verse one. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So what all we're going to do is we're going to simply break down this verse, thou therefore, my son, we're going to look at that part. Be strong, we're going to look at what that means, in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And then we're just going to try to come up with a little bit of a historical, doctrinal, and personal application from this verse. So it starts off with thou therefore, my son. Okay, when you see a therefore, you ask, what is it? Therefore. therefore, you have to go back and get the context of that verse. And to get the context of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, we go back. Let's look at some verses in 2 Timothy 1, verse 8. Okay, this is a key verse. So, so, so pay attention to this verse because it tells us about being a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. That's the part we want to keep in mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 12. For the which cause, Paul says, I'm, hey, I'm a teacher, I'm an apostle, I'm a preacher. He says, for the which cause I also suffer. I suffer the things I've suffered because I'm a preacher and a teacher and an apostle. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Verse 15. This thou knowest, Paul says, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. Man, everyone in Asia. They were all with Paul when that was the, the thing to do, and that was cool. But now that he's in prison, everyone's turned away from Paul in Asia. Okay, well, let's do a little bit of math. Thou therefore, my son. Okay. What's true of the fathers will be true for the sons and daughters. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, I, I, I'm not going to take us there, but in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, we see Paul sending Timothy to Ephesus. Okay, to teach them the things that they needed to know. And then, and then in chapter 3 of that same book of 1 Timothy, we see Paul saying, hey, these things I'm writing unto you so that you know how to run that church, young preacher, the bishop at Ephesus, Timothy. I'm, I'm giving you instructions on how to be the preacher at Ephesus. Okay, so let's, let's do just a little bit of logical concluding from what we've learned so far. Ephesus was Asia's capital. Ephesus was the capital city of Asia. Timothy is Paul's son in the faith. It's his right-hand man. Timothy, my son, my right-hand man, pastor of the capital of Asia. I need you to know something. Everyone in Asia has turned away from me. Being Paul's right-hand man is no longer a good thing. Oh, thou preacher of Ephesus, capital of Asia, where everyone's turned away from me. 
be strong. You know why? Because what's true of me, the, the afflictions that I've suffered for the gospel's sake, my son, you're going to have the same thing. You know, and I think about this sometimes. People are like, I've signed up for Costa Discipleship class. It's like, they're so excited, like, strap it on. Like, put on the armor of God. You're, you're signing up for a spiritual battle. You are actively engaging and moving forward in your faith. You will be met with resistance. So now, praise the Lord. What else are you going to do? Play video games? Your whole, I mean, like, I don't know. Let's, let's, let's make disciples. Let's count for the kingdom. But just understand this. What's true of the fathers is going to be true of the sons, too. I'm like, I'm going to go to Shepherd School. I'm, I'm going to go to Living Faith Bible Institute. Okay. That's a good thing. Let's talk. Let's visit regularly because you're going to need to strap it on. Strap on your sword. Strap on your armor. Put on the armor of God. It's going to be rough, just like it was. So, so anyway, number two on our handout, okay, the Second Timothy 1.8 talks about being a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. But here's the thing we need to understand. We do it according to the power of God. All right, well. We need to see what that means. And first of all, just understand, again, from a historical context, this is Paul who very much took part in the afflictions of the gospel. He was a partaker of the afflictions, but he did it according to the power of God. Paul, you know, this is the Paul who God said, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. And Paul said, okay, well, then I will much rather have this thorn in the flesh that God's power may rest upon me. Paul wasn't powerful in the flesh. He was powerful in the spirit. And here's what we need to understand is that, that you're partaking in the afflictions of the gospel. That means your level of engagement in the, in the battle for souls, in the fight for, you know, the good fight of faith. How, how engaged are you in that battle? Depends on your power. We are partakers according to the power of God. So, so let's go on the next one here. Well. Your partaking depends on your power. And that just makes sense. You don't send a, a new D1 student to go do circuit writing. I mean, you could bring them along, but you wouldn't put them in the pulpit. Not that they're not gifted by God, not that they don't have something to say. It's just they don't have the grit yet. They don't have the prayer life. They don't, they, they, they're not experienced enough to go do that. They haven't exercised the power of God personally to the point where they can engage at that level. You know, you don't send a, a seventh grader, you know, super smart seventh grader, you don't send them to college. They're not, they need to go through some developmental stages. Okay, but what we are instructed is, is to be strong. Okay, let's talk about this then. How do we increase our power? How do we be strong in the Lord? Well, first of all, just, you know, God repeatedly encourages his people to be strong. We'll look at some verses here. Um, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. Like, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. Okay, let's go on. Find me, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
uh, Joshua 1, 7, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, hath commanded thee. Turn not to the right hand or to the left hand that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. Be strong and do. Be strong and do. We see that repeatedly. Okay. So, so these verses, go, go to the next one here. To be strong is to be empowered. It's actually a passive thing. Let yourself be empowered. Let yourself be enabled. Okay. To be strong isn't just means you can bench press a whole bunch. Okay. Be strong, be enabled, be empowered to, to be able to do something. Okay, enabled implies that you're able to do something. Empowered means that you are now, you have the, the power to do something. It's not just a state of strength, it's, it's purposed. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. Let's look at some verses here. And Saul increased more in strength and confounded the Jews with Joel to Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. He increased in strength and was therefore able to teach God's word in a way that was convincing. Okay. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We're real familiar with that verse. Okay. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. This word enabled, that's the same Greek word as strengthened. God strengthened me. God enabled me to do what needed to be done. So just understand that to be strong is to be enabled or empowered. Okay, so ministry is hard. Ministry is hard, so quit. And then you just say, yeah, I tried church. It didn't work for me. Ministry is hard, so just complain. And especially, you know, you want to complain to your peers. Don't complain to your ministry leader. You just want to complain to everybody about how unfair life. No, so, look, ministry's hard. Don't quit. Don't complain. Don't turn away like everyone turned away from Paul when he was in prison. No, be strong. Ministry's hard. Therefore, be strong. Be enabled. Be empowered. Okay, I, I would say it this way. This is what I used to tell my kids. You want bigger muscles, not a lighter load. It's too heavy. Okay, we'll get stronger. Then it won't be too heavy anymore. Christine's always like, it's too tall. Can you reach it? I'm like, well, just grow. I mean, just get taller. Get stuff. Quit putting stuff on a shelf where you can't reach it without a chair. And then, you know, not really. I don't say that. But I did. I do say this. If it's too hard, let's grow. If ministry is too hard for you, if the depression and the discouragement and the temptation to, to, to have division in the body, if, if, if ministry is too hard, we need bigger spiritual muscles. We don't need a lighter load. We need to grow. We need to be empowered. And just understanding the nature, you know, of how things work is actually very edifying. It's when I forget that I'm in a spiritual battle that I'm not a very good spiritual warrior. If I know attacks coming, I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I got my sword, the spirit. Uh, I'm, I got my brothers and the foxhole. Like we're ready to go, right? 
if I forget and I just start my day without my armor on and forget that I'm in a spiritual battle, that souls are at stake, that that person, if they die in their sin, are going to spend eternity separated from God. And I have the gospel. I know how to share it with them. And I, I forget that. I'm just going through the motions of my day. Well, that's that I don't do very well. But if I can keep this in mind, well, then we we develop those muscles much more quickly. So, so thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let's talk about that grace that is in Christ Jesus. First of all, the word grace here, it's it's free, undeserved, unmerited favor. My standing before God has nothing to do with with you know, I earned God's favor and now he owes it to me. I'll give it that, you know, we know that's not how it works. God doesn't owe us anything. It's just he's a God of love, right? Could we with ink the oceans fill and were the sky of parchment made, were every blade on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the whole, nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. God is a God of love. And if you have kids, you understand that. You understand, you just love them. Even when they're brats, you just love them. You do anything for them. Okay, this word occurs 156 times. Most of the time, it's just grace. We read that word, but other times, it's favor or thank or thankworthy, a pleasure. Grace is, is a pleasure. It's acceptable. It's a benefit. It's a gift. Gracious, joy, liberality. Okay? The, the, the word grace means all those different things. It's not just our, our salvation. We understand as, as Bible believers and studying the book of Romans that grace comes through faith, not by works. Okay, salvation comes by grace through faith. We, we get that. But sometimes we forget that we also stand in grace like Romans chapter 5 verse 2 tells us. But, the, but what we're brought back to with this passage is is ministering in light of spiritual reality. Okay, so turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. If Ephesians chapter 1, if we were to just get the theme of the book of Ephesians from, from this chapter, which we should, then, then what we would see is it's in Christ. So, so how many times in Ephesians chapter 1 do we see in Christ, in him? Um, no, we're, we're good here, Will. So, starting in verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him. Verse 6. To the praise and glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 7. In whom? Verse 9, according to the, 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 his good pleasure which he hath purchased in himself. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Verse 11, in whom. Verse 13, in whom. It's just over and over and over and over again, our positional spiritual reality of who we are in Christ. I keep wandering out of the frame. Sorry. I'll try to stay here so that you can look at me, I guess. <laughs> Isn't that great? Okay. 
in him. That's our positional reality. And Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus, as we see in, in, in this passage, here's his prayer starting in verse 16. He, he prays in verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Look at the authority that Christ has. Verse 20, 21, and 22. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so Paul is, is, is praying for those who are in Christ, that they might appreciate the authority and the power in Christ. Oh, by the way, you are the body of Christ and he's the head. This power is what is accessible to us. It's the same power which strengthens Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It's the same power that we have access to. And as we grow in strength, as we grow in power, in ministry, in the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, this is the same power which is accessible to us. We need to minister in light of that spirituality. So here's some points. God is with us and God strengthens us. So back in 2 Timothy, okay, chapter 4 this time, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me. So Paul says, everyone abandoned me. Well, except the Lord. The Lord stood with me and did what? Strengthened me. That by me the preaching might be fully known that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So God is with his people. God strengthens. God empowers us. We've already looked at this verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Let's go on. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We need to, to draw and be empowered. To, you know, be strong is to be empowered. He gives us a, a new nature and spiritual gifts. Okay, spiritual gifts in the Bible. You want to go to what chapters? 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. There you go. Get the whole passage of full mention right there. Yeah, okay. Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 there. Okay, for as, as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. So we being many, that's us guys, okay. We are one body in Christ and every one members of another. Okay, my hand is a member of the body. So is my nose. Hey, they're members one of another of the same body. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophecy according to the proportion of faith. Okay, look, we're partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Your level of engagement depends on how much power of God has been accessed in your life, how much 
experience, how much prayer, how, how strengthened have you been? That's the level at which you can engage here. Go ahead. Prophecy according to the proportion of faith. Well, how much prof, how much speaking forth of the truth you got in you? Well, that's how much you can do. Make sense? You're not limited in your ministry because someone's like holding you back. You're limited in your ministry based on your proportion of faith. How much have you accessed the power of God in your life? Have you been strengthened to do the work of the ministry? That's the, deg the degree to which you can engage in the battle for souls, in, the, in the, the work of the ministry of making disciples. Okay, so God's with us and strengthens us. He empowers us. He gives us a new nature and gives us spiritual gifts. So let's go on. Positionally, we have been given all spiritual blessings. We saw that in Ephesians chapter 1. Woohoo! positionally, it's, it's just a done deal, right? We're in Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. Practically speaking, okay, practically, we are gifted to do a part of the work as part of the body. We each have a responsibility to do our part, okay? We each have a responsibility to do our part. Now, I'm not saying that. I, I quit a long time ago trying to convince people to care about spiritual things who don't care about spiritual things. I quit trying to get people to do what God wants them to do. I'm just going to tell you what God says, but, but this is what God says. Now, there are diversities of gifts, so you're gifted differently than I am. You, you can sing. You can play. You can administrate. We're all gifted differently. Hospitality. Okay, I can teach. We have different gifts, but the same spirit. There's difference of administrations. How those gifts are administered to you and through you is different. Okay? It's not, it doesn't have to be the same. Those people that teach, well, unless you manifest this gift, well, no, they're different. Okay? It's the same, Lord, though. There's differences. There's diversities of operations. How you operate and your gifting, and how you operate in your gifting, that's different. Well, praise the Lord. A body has to have different parts functioning differently. My liver can't do what my feet do, because then I get a bunch of toxins built up, right? Can't metabolize Tylenol anymore. I mean, just to be in big trouble if my liver didn't do what my liver does, my feet didn't do what my feet do. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man for what reason? To profit with all. That word with all, that means with all of us. So there's a big log we got to carry. And if everybody can, if we can get that up on our shoulders and everybody takes part of the load, with all of us, we can do it. But you have to do your part. Okay? I have to do my part. Mike, you're a big guy, but you can't carry that whole thing by yourself. You have to have other people with you so you're gifted to do your part of the work that's what this verse is saying in your way as you've been gifted that's the practical reality of it so here's the application here's what we need to know okay how do i be strong how do i be enabled and empowered 
in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Well, here, here's what you got to do. Recognizing spiritual reality, that that power is, is available to you, and it's given to you for a purpose to fulfill the mission that God gave us. You have to understand that. Because what you want to do is engage at the level that you can. Engage at the level that you can. And then you want to grow spiritually to an increased level of engagement. It takes time. Don't, don't be impatient. But listen, don't also sit around for 10 years wait, waiting for to get another gift of the spirit. To, for, no, you, how you've been gifted, you need to use that for the mission that God gave us. So here's the invitation. You want to go to God's gym. Okay. There's God's gym. Okay. What we have structurally at Midtown is, is like God's gym. And you start at an introductory level in terms of your Bible, learning your Bible for yourself. Okay. You start at the cost of discipleship, D1, D2. We've got a Bible Institute. Okay. Where you can actually not just get fed every week, you can learn to cook. You can learn to study this thing for yourself and feed others, spiritually speaking. But that's not it. You are empowered to do the work of the ministry. You've been given the, the manifestation of the Spirit through you to profit with all. That means you have to be a part of the work of making disciples. So you need to join a ministry team. In that ministry team, your team leader has been charged with two things. One is to do the work of the ministry. Hospitality, be hospitable, <laughs> you know? That's your first goal. Praise and worship. You guys, listen, lead the body into praise and worship. That's your job. Do that. Okay, but you have a second charge. This charge is to train leaders. Okay? Train hospitality workers. Train praise and worship leaders. Praise and worship leader. Why? Well, because we are trusting God to be a sending church. That means if God sends you to be part of a church plant, you need to have replaced yourself in ministry. It's called discipleship. But in that team, as you lead, you learn a whole lot about how people are wired. You learn a whole lot about spiritual attack as you are a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. There's discouragements that are part of it. Fighting against division and protecting unity. That, you got to do that as a leader. As you train others, you start to see these things. Right? You start to encourage people. You, you start to reproduce yourself and others. So there is the, 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 you need to learn the Bible for yourself. How to study the Bible. You need to learn those things, but you also need to get trained up in ministry so that you have experience. You're strengthened through that process. Okay, so, so here's what I want to do. I, I want to stop teaching here, and I want us to, to, to break up into small groups. You know, Phyllis, you might just have to, I, I don't know if we have others there, that there could be a Zoom group, but what we're going to do live here, so, so I guess just do some introspection if you're zooming. Okay, but, but here live, we're going to break up into small groups. And here's what I'd like us to do. I'd like us to just kind of look back 
at your life, how many years are behind you, and how many years are in front of you. Look back at how quickly time has gone and how quickly time is going to go. You want to look back and say, how much of this time did I spend doing the things that I love with the people that I love and doing the things that I ought to have done? If it's not something that I really loved doing with the people that I really love, and it's not something I ought to have done from book, chapter, verse, somewhere between Romans and Philemon there, I got some instructions on how to live. Okay, the rest of the time, how much time did I waste? Not doing the things I ought to have done and not doing the things that I really love doing with the people that I really love. Okay, now how much time do I have left? And how quickly does time fly? Can we be deliberate in looking forward? Some of you who came in late, you missed it. The fastest growing age demographic in the world is those over 60. That's the older, you know, the baby boomers are all, are, are all retiring and, and that's the oldest demographic. And it doesn't seem like anybody is really focused on winning them to Christ and discipling them. I don't know. I think we need to be deliberate about how we spend our time. Here are some things that I thought we want to look back and look forward. Number your days. Okay. We need to get moving. Sitting kills you. Did you know that? Sitting for prolonged periods of time kills you. That's why I have these desks that rise up now and your treadmill desk where you can walk while you work. I should get one and I could walk while I preach. I just do this the whole time. That wouldn't be distracting at all, would it? Okay. <laughs> Forsake the TV. I don't know. As I look back, even now, middle-aged, because I'm going to live to be 102. So looking back, <laughs> man, I don't, I don't relish. That's not something... I love doing with the people I love. I mean, maybe Lord of the Rings would count, like, but we want to be deliberate. And then we want to retire well. Most of us are at an age where we're at least looking forward, like, you know, how many years do I have to do this? You know, but as we think about this, retiring well, you go on your cruise, play your golf, whatever, but come talk to me. Let's. Let's plant churches. Let's make disciples. Let's be deliberate. Let, I mean, that's why we got to keep moving and get out from in front of the TV and just quit sitting all the time so we can go do those things as we get older. Someone who still has their health and has time now, some wisdom. They have a perspective. They can look back. They know how life works. They can look forward. They can be a part of helping these young people come to a point of maturity. Man, that's we need people like that. We need people like you. The problem is we don't do this. We, we, people just retire and then they just watch Wheel of Fortune, take their fiber and like, that's their whole life. You know, that's, that's it. You worked all that time. You gained all this wisdom. And then now you're going to, oh, that's craziness. So take your cruise, play your golf, whatever. But then let's talk about how to really get plugged in in the ministry and really young people don't have that perspective. They can't look back and they can't look forward, but we can, and we need to be deliberate about that. So I'm going to pray. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to go to our small groups. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for, for the message that, that, that Timothy received from Paul. God, we're receiving it from Paul too. We looked at the historical, some doctrinal and personal applications. And God, we just want to tell you, 
Lord, we don't want to get to the end of our lives having neither done the things that we ought to have done, God, nor done the things that we really love doing with the people we love. We just wasted our time. So, Lord, I just pray you'd help us to get moving, Lord, to, to engage in the mission at the level we can. And then, Lord, would you empower us and grow us to engage at a bigger level? Ministry's hard, so we need to be strong, not complain, not quit, not turn away. We need bigger muscles, not a lighter load. So, 